0: price for tuesday january 9th 2024 coming to you from the gogo sports studio built by arbor lee here at the iconic wall center downtown vancouver your home away from home nestled in the heart of the city if you need to stay downtown call the wall 604-331-1000 matt sick alongside blake price grady sass hitting switches conducting things alongside intern lachlan irvin And this show, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. Applewood
1: Kia in Langley wants to get you into the electric revolution right now. The 2024 Nero is in. The EV is financed from 6.49%. Haven't driven one before? Go check them out. Go visit them at Applewood Kia in Langley. Find out what it's all about. It's all good at Applewood.
0: Poll question today. Are you now expecting playoff success? Yes or no? You can vote at Price on Twitter
1: and YouTube. We should have had the Mark Crawford
0: drop ready.
1: Playoff sex, playoff success. Uh,
0: <laughs> you don't remember that? Yeah, no, I do. I do. You're right. I hadn't thought about it until then. And and for those of you who were previously expecting playoff success like before the season,
1: well, good on you. Yeah, <laughs> really good, good on you. Both of you.
0: <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm defining playoff success for this club, I wouldn't for every club, but for this club, as winning a round in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think when you've been out of it as often as the Vancouver Canucks have been out of it for the last decade plus, of course we have not seen a playoff game here at Rogers Arena since well nine years, Yep, 2015. The one postseason thereafter, of course, an expanded postseason where they needed to win a play-in to get into the bubble playoffs. and With a team that was pretty good, although leaking a lot of oil when the season shut down in early March 2020, I I, I think one round is reasonable. I think one round would make everybody feel good going into the summer, and so I voted yes.
1: Yeah, I think that's the reasonable approach here i mean you can't be greedy here this has been a bonus um for the fan base to see this team the juggernaut they've been so far in the regular season but i mean if you're thinking i mean the the only by extension the alternative to playoff success being just that is they make it to the final four but if well, you well, I, I if, think
0: the Final Four is success for just about every team. Right, that's what I'm saying out there. I mean, I, Vegas may disagree. Colorado may disagree as the last two Cup. But champions. the options,
1: the options for interpretation are: are there's only three options: win around, get to the Final Four, yeah, or get to the Stanley Cup. So, like, right? I mean, if we consider where this team has come from. Walk before you run. Went yeah. around. So everything beyond the
0: getting to the second round, everything thereafter is gravy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, I
1: think that's reasonable. Yeah. And I, I think the mitigating part here is like intrinsically I think you want to say, oh, they can do that. And I wholeheartedly agree with you folks. Except that, and we'll talk about this throughout the course of the show, but – there's a lot of decent teams out there. Like go look at the playoff bracket. Who do you want to face? Who's the easy out here? The wild card that isn't Edmonton. Right. So right now it'd be the Preds. So there's one mm-hmm. path to like a favorable matchup. Correct. Everybody else has got a but careful about X. Yeah. You know like
0: <laughs> and the um the fair thing about it because I know we've had this fairness question and particularly a lot of smoke coming out of Toronto over the years with regards to their division and how the 2-3 matchup is so difficult. Yeah, every other first-round matchup is murderer's row two, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Like Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg in the Central, L.A. and Vegas in the Pacific, Edmonton looming as a wild card, and of course that could change if they continue to win. So, yeah, now, that all said, 6-3 6 3 win over the Rangers Monday night. 55 points. That's tied for second in the league right now. They're four up on Vegas, nine up on the Kings. Fourth in points percentage behind only Winnipeg, Boston, and the Rangers. First in regulation wins with 25. First in goal differential plus 50. 12 better than second place Winnipeg. 13 5 and 2 over the last 20. They actually improved over the first 20, where they went 13-6-1. So if you wanted to look at all that and say, Matt, Blake, I need to win more in a round, because right now, every metric we have has them as a top-four NHL team. And that would be the conference finals. I can hear that argument.
1: Uh, And, and, you know, without knowing the, the history of this team, it would be a reasonable thing to say. But we do know the history of this team. And the, like the recent history of this team and where they're coming from. And so merely what they're doing this year, I don't think paints a perfect enough picture because the players on this team, the players that have achieved everything that you just outlined, they have history with them, which is to say not much playoff history, not much playoff success. So I think you have to look at the totality of it and just put the brakes on. Hey, it's an elevation. At the start of the season, we, we called making the playoffs success. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, after so many years without success, nobody here can remember the last home game <laughs> in the playoffs for the team. So I remember they won it against Calgary and went back to the Saddle Dome, and that was that. And got a big lead and then blew it. Yeah. Uh, the The history is so few and far between. That just making their having a home date that was all going to be success. So now to say no, they should be able to muster uh, a victory. That's a that's a big thing mm-hmm. again, given the parity of this league. Eight points for
0: the lotto line Monday, including four for Elias Petterson. Here's head coach Rick Tockett on reuniting Patterson, Besser, and Miller.
2: Sometimes it, it's not stale, but. I just, sometimes you need your team a little bit of a juice uh, even your, your star players and uh, you know when when you put those guys together, you know you didn't really have to say anything they do hey, get me on the ice in certain situations and let us go and you can tell you know I didn't have to say and every once in a while they look at me like we're ready to go again so I, I like that you know they, they want they want they want the responsibility to, to to be in those situations of course
0: and as we've talked about talking with the Midas touch this year, you score one goal in St. Louis. You go. You know what? Let's get the band back together. And you can only imagine how excited those guys were to see their names on the on the whiteboard together. And I and I love the part didn't have to say anything. They no. knew. And, and you know we talk about alignment organizationally, ownership, management, coaching staff. You know I think you got alignment, head coach, and uh, star players here as well. That's been. One of the other storylines and one of the other reasons why the Vancouver Canucks have had so much success
1: this year. The beauty of what I'm seeing when the lot line gets put together is the beauty that we see with best-on-best hockey. You know, best-on-best hockey, they throw these guys together. There's not enough time to do two-week camps. You know, it's not right. like the World Juniors. They throw these guys together for three practices, and they start playing games. And what does it look like? It looks like a Tchaikovsky. Like, it is like it is is spectacular. Why? Because they're all really great players that all think the game at a high level, so they don't need much time to get on the same page. And that's what we see with the lotto line. And they have played together previously, uh, ancestrally. So, it you know, the the recollections are there. Right. Game, game knows game. They know each other. Yeah. Even if they don't play, haven't played together, per se, a, a ton recently. And that was one of the things that came out of that
0: sensational 2010 gold medal game between Canada and the U.S. is that just somehow, some way, the guys who made up forward lines in that game and through that tournament oh. just knew. Yeah. I forget which one told me. I think it might have been Patrick Kane said... You didn't, maybe Kessler, you, you you didn't even have time to beaver tail or tap the stick looking for the puck because the guy who had it recognized
1: you were open and was already delivering the pass. Or going back to Salt Lake, the dummy play from Lemieux. Right. You know, just things like that. Like he, he, he was a Korean. He let it go through. To Korea, I think, right? To Sackick. Sackick? Like they, they don't play together. They're not, they're not on the same club team, but but Lemieux just knows. Like I think I'm pretty sure that guy's there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's just it's that innateness, and we saw that at at plays that those guys just know so and so is going to be in the right place. Three points for Besser, and
0: the NHL released all star voting today, Tuesday. And how about this from the Vancouver Canucks? Thatcher Demko leads in among goal well,
1: They they could stop voting for him and let everybody else get votes, and I don't know that it'd be enough. Like, he's got a almost a double lead on number two. So, for all intents and purposes,
0: Thatcher Demko is going to the All-Star game in Toronto. Yeah. We know Quinn Hughes is already there. And, and very, uh, very strong showings from Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, and even Brock Besser on that list of fan votes for
1: the All-Star. They're, what, fifth, sixth, and eighth? I mean, I don't know how if they've got – I haven't seen anything written that there's a cap on the number of players from a single team that can go. I haven't seen that written, but I don't know what would prevent now at this point the Canucks from sending five guys other than legislation yeah. against it. Sorry, let me uh, correct myself. Patterson is fourth, Miller is sixth, Besser is seventh. Yeah, I mean, and do you think that's a savvy Vancouver fan base – or do you think that's the league respect?
0: No, I I think this is one of the most connected fan bases in the National Hockey League. So I think you are drawing from... Because let's remember, the Canucks market is effectively the entire province of British Columbia. Mm-hmm. So that, that equates to like a five or six million market. Yep. So I think it's a big market. I think they're very savvy and they're very connected. But I also dare to dream... That this is fan bases across the league going, holy shit, what a season for these Vancouver Canucks. Some of these players
1: are fantastic and deserve my vote. Well, I wonder what a game like last night does, scoring not only the amount of goals, but the quality of goals.
0: Beautiful goals. Three absolute oil paintings. Yeah. A- and frankly, the other Hoaglander goal and the Miller goal were pretty nice in and of themselves. But Petey doing his deeks. The suitor to Hoaglander. rush spectacular, and you know what's better there—the pass of the
1: goal—you could debate that all day. Patience by suitor, backhand, backhand sauce, backhand
0: sauce through traffic,
1: and then through the legs from Hoaglander, sweeping the backhand, which was really his only play at that point, and it feather—he feathers it through. It's spectacular. And how about Brock? Speaking
0: of feathering a backhand, yeah, it's probably his only play too in those tight quarters absolutely gorgeous goals and two for Hoaglander and hey he's coming he's coming again we've seen it two steps forward one step back but every time you start to wonder a little bit about Nils Hoaglander he's responding
1: he's got everything that you want in a National Hockey League player like he just needs to go out and do it like his his intensity he's got good enough skating mm-hmm. he's clearly got the hands I mean he's I'm not saying he's a 40-goal scorer, but he he should be. I, I think he's got the toolbox to be a, a perennial 20-25 to 25 goal scorer. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And how about this? After forging a lead,
0: getting the first goal of the hockey game last night, the Blue Shirts, top team in the East, get the Bronx cheer. Yeah. After, from the, whole crowd, after the first period. After the first period. Yeah. They're out shooting the Canucks 13 to 7.
1: Games 3-1. They get booed off the ice. Wow. And and the shot clock crowd. the shot clock was in there in the uh, Rangers favor all night but um but, but the Canucks dominated play. And, and the chances um and and uh, I think the last 10 minutes of the third period sort of uh, ultimately gave the Rangers the the uh the win on that category too. but but the chances in the first forty-five minutes of the game, oh my gosh! Yeah, the score effects were a thing. Less. Yeah, but a lot of chances just didn't result in a in a in the puck hitting the goal. But they were still glorious opportunities. It was it was fabulous. Five on five hockey uh, throughout. I mean, for anybody who thinks that the NHL has turned into a power play league, well, there's Exhibit A yeah, right there. Absolutely. It was just a great hockey game. And credit it to sure the Rangers to, to a degree, too, because Trochik's goal was spectacular. Panarin's goal, uh, I mean, those shots were ripped.
0: So let's hear from J.T. Miller because I, I, I was struck by a couple of things that Miller said with regards to the response after falling behind one nothing. Here's J.T.
1: I mean, they got one on the power play, and we didn't let that shake us at all. I think we pushed back, and that's kind of where we're trying to get to as a team—is having you know higher maturity level and being more comfortable. We talk about being in those situations on the road with the lead, and then that's going to happen. You know where we want to play at the end of the year. So, um, you know, it's that's a big win for us, and we know that, and it feels good, but short-lived because we got another hard, hard game tomorrow, obviously.
0: Higher maturity level, and both with regards to falling behind on the road against a good team. And then holding a lead against a good team on the road. Philip Ronick with a couple of helpers last night. And how about this? It took the Vancouver Canucks all of 40 games to exceed their total of regulation wins from all of last year. They had 24 regulation wins in 82 games last year, they have 25 through 40 games this year and as noted earlier it leads the national hockey league and when you do something like that you get a head coach who is so willing to praise his club here's rick Tockett on this group of players learning to be even keeled
2: you know it's a learning thing where yeah you should enjoy this but you know it's you know, to be a really good hockey team, consistent all the time, you gotta, you know, you gotta just make sure they save and kill. I mean, you know, I gotta give the guys credit. They're really they're, they're learning you being even kill. You know, I don't think we're strutting around like, you know, we're, we're whatever. But you should enjoy and have confidence. I mean, the, the Rangers pressed. And we did a couple of nice plays under pressure. That's what I like, is, uh, you know, not backing off. I mean, you can't hold that team for 60 minutes. It's a really good hockey team. And I thought for the most part, we did a good job, even, even when they pressed us.
0: And this can't really be overstated, Blake, because one of the things that had crept up and that we had heard about a lot under multiple, really, head coaches in the past is these guys thought they were pretty damn good. Like, they'd win a couple games in a row, and you'd have some of these young Canucks like strutting around like their shit didn't stink. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that was just immaturity. They were younger people. I think also part of it is the... Celebrity of being a Canuck in Vancouver, right? You're recognized at every turn,
1: and I think they knew that deep down there was something there, but they got they got there too way too quickly. The overconfidence oh, was,
3: yeah.
0: What we had heard is things like like in their mind's eye, they think they're, you know, a cup team. In which, their mind's eye, like they think they're first team NHL
1: All-Stars. which may have been part of the that tension that we saw with JT Miller in the group, whether he was the The guy strutting, or he saw the strutting, Um, you can sort of argue both ways, maybe that was part of the frustration.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think the one thing that's happened here is that over the course of almost a year now, Rick Tockett broke them down Mm -hmm. and gave them the harsh truth. Guys, you ain't shit. Remember the line, who are we to think? (laughs) I think Rick Tockett did a hell of a job breaking these guys down. And letting them know just how far away they were. And now building them up.
1: The, the unfortunate thing is he's got to keep that message going for 42 more right. games. And I'm not <laughs> predicting a, a drop-off, like a huge drop-off. No, but but just saying
0: he, he said, I'll give him credit. You yeah. know They're doing a great job of staying even keel. You heard it from Miller as well.
1: And the Canucks become the third team in the past 30 years to have 350-point scorers through the first 40 games of the season. Mm-hmm. Including Quinn Hughes, who picked up...
0: His 50th point of the season, Monday. And he becomes one of nine defensemen in history to hit 50 points through 40 games. The others, Paul Coffey, Bobby Orr, Eric Carlson, John Carlson, Brian Leach, Dennis Potvin, Phil Housley, Al McInnes, all Hall of Famers except for the two active guys, Carlson and Carlson. And, of course, Quinn. Mm -hmm. And the head coach sung hughes's praises in the aftermath at the garden
2: take a listen he was dialed in today like he, if you watch him he wanted the puck every time he wanted to be on this every situation I, he gets like that sometimes you just look at him he just you know he wants to, he wants it like he and you know he craves the the pressure give me the puck i want to be, you know i want to go back and get the puck under on a breakout i want the puck on the blue and he wants stuff in pressure situations so uh, i thought he was dialed in
1: Playing against Adam Fox too, uh, we, we always wonder if whether or not players sort of rise to the occasion when they see comparables on the other side of the uh, the rank comparables and contemporaries. And on a night where Adam Fox had a decent first period, but I thought then Hughes just accelerated away from the from that matchup or that comparison the rest of the way. Um, doing the best in the business, doing their deeds, and, and Hughes was able to be discernibly better. I thought than Adam Fox.
0: Now one last thing here before we get into. Uh... Oh, two more. The defense and Jeff noted this: the balanced ice time. Did you know Carson Susi played a season high against New Jersey? Like first came back, really? Post, yeah, because at one point we were concerned. How many minutes Hughes and Heronik were playing? Mm-hmm. Twenty-one forty-nine for Hughes, twenty-one nineteen for Heronik. Cole played nineteen fifty-three. Myers nineteen twenty-five. Susie eighteen forty-six. The Doroff eighteen twenty-seven. That's just about as even-steven as you're going to get, huh?
1: Yeah, and, of course, Cole getting that first real taste now over a couple of right games side. on the right side. Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, he, it wasn't his best game, but he did fine. He did fine. Uh-huh. And, and back to Hughes, too, by the way. Um, as Jeff has pointed out, with this dearth of kind of power plays, you got three power plays over four games, like – and the Canucks don't have a lot of power plays in the calendar year of 2024 uh, or even the last couple of weeks, there's been no power play points for Quinn Hughes. So Quinn Hughes is doing is keeping up his pace of points yep. without feasting on the power play.
0: Now, the advanced stats on the Canucks continue to paint a picture of, a t- of a sustainability. You're going to continue hearing that word. They went into Monday's game. As the leaders in goal scored above expected and by a fair margin at plus 25. They come out of Monday's game. The number three team goal saved above expected. Plus nine behind only Boston and Pittsburgh. And then there was this from Mike Kelly. Rush chance shooting percentage. The NHL average is 11%. Bottom of the barrel is 7%. The second best team is shooting thirteen percent off the rush. Canucks are shooting twenty-two percent off the rush, and of course they're not as big a rush team no. anymore. No, so it's in a smaller sample of rushes, and a lot of that is going to be a counteroffensive. They're making it count. They're making it count. Yeah, I mean, the, the- and at some point you just have to wonder: okay, is it just is it a quality thing? Are they just so good, and particularly their best offensive players,
1: that you do have some sustainability on a couple of these metrics. I mean, I, and think, in goal, I think of like a guy like Joshua who scored a couple of goals off the rush. I think last night alone, Besser and Hoaglander, but those are skilled players that, you know, you hope Besser can tuck in a goal on a, on a one-on-one rush like that. And Hoaglander, I mean, that wasn't a shot from the top of the circle that's sort of a hope bet. He pulls that puck between his legs. Like, I mean, these are skilled players pulling off skill play. So you hope that you do better than a 7 and 100 chance. Right. When we broke at Christmas,
0: one of the things that we mentioned is that in January, Elias Pettersson and his contract would likely rear its head again, and that would continue into the early March trade deadline, and the theory being, of course, that the— Trade deadline is a signpost in the NHL calendar where you are going to be making some decisions that likely have longer-term effect, and so you would like to know what you're going to be paying your star centerman. It is not critical that they get Pedersen re-signed by this trade deadline because, let's face it, they're in a playoff spot now and know fully that they're going to the playoffs, barring a catastrophe. Would have been a much different equation if they were not in the playoffs or right there at the bar. But knowing that you're going to the playoffs means, of course, you're not going to be trading Elias Patterson. You would like the clarity. You don't absolutely need it by deadline. I think you do absolutely need it by July 1st because you're going to be making some decisions there with regards to how you deploy your cap dollars going forward. Not to mention the fact if there's any inclination on the part of the player to not want to resign, then you're on the market for a centerman. Come the summer, but all that is down the road. Elliot Friedman of Thirty Two Thoughts saying he's made it very clear that he's not ready to talk contract yet. And our old uh, colleague Safir Shaw saying that Pedersen didn't love the fact that the meeting with the Canucks got leaked because that was one of the things that we talked about when it happened. Blake is that he said he didn't want to talk contract till after the season. Then there was a meeting an indication that they were willing to talk contract.
1: That apparently has changed again. Well, or has it? J.P. Barry was just on Rain Dregs and said, it started, we have more to do. This guy has really wanted to focus on playing. He's not an unrestricted free agent like Nylander or like David Pasternak was. There's another year there. And I know people in Vancouver don't want to hear that. He could feasibly do a one-year contract or do an arbitration case, and no one wants that. We're being patient, there's no doubt. People pointed out, are we being overpatient? We're getting to the point now where we'll have to sit down. I think he's had a great season. I think he's done everything that he wanted, but he wants his team to win too, so he doesn't doesn't like the distraction. We have to balance whether or not we think engaging is a distraction or not, and a lot of that comes down to what the client wants. Could this all be done now quietly, or can we wait and do it all in May and June so we have to talk about it? End quote. So it sounds like J.P. Barry is open to sitting down and talking. He's waiting for, well, other, instruction from, other
0: than the other than the part that you know could it, would it be too much of a distraction? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. but he's open to discussing that with Elias Pettersson. It sounds like, and and maybe sitting down. So, I mean, at this point, the superstitious hockey player probably thinking, we made it this far. We're having this good of a season. Why am I going to muddle?
0: Well, the it, process.
1: I mean, except that. If it could get done
0: tidily, then there's no more distraction.
1: Yeah, you stop getting asked about it. Exactly. You know he does love it, yeah. Sorry, what, 12 and a half for seven I mean, years?
0: He, he bristled at a question about the lotto line.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was a little angsty last night. Yeah, he was. Just talking about the greatness of his game. Yeah. <laughs> and his line. Yeah.
0: So anyways, that file will continue here. But the Canucks are off to the island in the second game against, well, I guess the third against the New York area teams. When you count Jersey, they already got a couple of points. They've already got a ton of goals. And going to see old friend Bo Horvat, who has scored in both of his Islander games against the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, frankly, a much different Islander team than when we first saw them on the Bo Horvat return game. Back here in November at the time, they were everyone was kicking them for being so terrible offensively mm-hmm. and the season's going nowhere. Well, they have uh, they have turned their season around and, and Bo's having quite a campaign. As a matter of fact, tracking as a point per game player, so good, yeah, good line mates. Good on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On to football, and didn't get to this yesterday meant to. Given that Bailey Zappi Passed for less than 100 yards on a lot of attempts in New England's final game against the New
1: York Jets. Boy, you
0: sure would have wished and hoped that Nathan Rourke got a live snap of NHL. Oh, he was in a
1: groove, though, 88 yards passing. You You don't dare substitute that guy out. Anyways, he did not get that
0: look from Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Our friend Farhan Lalji, who was covering that national championship game in Houston on Monday night, tweeted that his understanding of Rourke's contractual situation is that he's an exclusive rights-free agent in the NFL, meaning two or fewer accrued seasons and having spent a minimum of six games active. And, of course, he was active on the roster for both New England and Jacksonville. New England can retain his rights by tendering him a qualifying offer. That's a one-year deal of 950 $915,000 by March 13th. Noah Strang of Daily Hive with an item on Rourke reporting, because you asked me this question in December, that he does wind up making more money than anybody in the CFL this past year. That the compensation between Jacksonville and New England added up to $519,000 this year for Rourke. The highest-paid Canadian football player this year was Zach Caleros at 445000 U.S. Chad Kelly has since signed a extension with the Toronto Argonauts that is going to be worth 465000 U.S. dollars per season. I think the BC Lions would have been willing to go to those lengths or even more with Nathan Rourke had he been willing to resign in the Canadian Football League. So... It is still effectively a wash he's a few dollars ahead of the game by sitting on NFL benches than he would have been by playing in the Canadian Football League. Uh, but I do think you're looking at another season where Nathan Rourke is going to take his best app down south to see if he can you know he's got his foot in the door. now
1: he needs an opportunity to get on the field somehow some way. I What I wonder is, you know time alone doesn't just get you closer. Like does does somebody out there actually feel like it? Does, has he in any way, shape, or form? I don't know how this would be the case. Has he? Has he got, Has he worked his way closer just by being down there? Is he closer today? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think to, so. P- via yeah. what? Well, practices,
0: practices, and film room.
1: Okay, so that you might think that he's more ready, but doesn't and. An, by virtue of being around the NFL game, does another NFL team yes. think he's more ready? Yes, yeah. for
0: sure. For sure. Uh, I, I think NFL teams value time spent in an NFL operation more than success on the field in the Canadian Football League. Right. Yes. And
1: Well, let's hope that's the case.
0: So, some would argue against that, and I, I, I hear that case, but that's just how biased they are.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and we've seen examples of that, certainly. Yeah.
0: Like— when you had guys like Bill Polian running NFL teams, who was a former CFL executive, mm-hmm. um, and, and there might still be some of these guys still out there in the, in the, uh, in the NFL, but when you had guys like Bill Polian, th- they understood and, and recognized the value of playing and playing as much and playing well in the Canadian Football League. I think a lot of NFL executives just have the blinders on and don't even really consider. The CFL, they probably have a scout or two on staff who's got some sort of CFL backing. They certainly scout the league to see if there are, for the most part, special teamers out there. Yeah, but I don't necessarily think you got many NFL executives that are looking there and and and, and um, holding a candle for any kind of Canadian football league success. Uh, Matthew Betts of the BC Lions, and yesterday Monday was the. First day where CFL players could sign in the National Football League. Austin Mack, the fine receiver with the Montreal Alouettes, signed with the Atlanta Falcons. Mathieu Betts has worked out for the Detroit Lions, the Cleveland Browns, the Buffalo Bills. Linebacker Josh Woods has worked out for the Denver Broncos and New England Patriots. You'd hate to see Woods leave, but in a way, it solves a problem for BC. There was a good article on, I believe it was Three Down Nation, talking about how the Lions really have to decide whether they want to pay Josh Woods or whether they want to pay Ben Hladek, Vernon's Ben Hladek, to be their middle linebacker who's coming off a very big season, Lions record for tackles by a Canadian player. Uh, And, of course, does Bo Lacombo still factor in, given his ticket and his um, age? But... What was a very good linebacker group for the Lions last year is likely to lose either a Halatic or a Josh Woods. We're about a month out from Canadian Football League free agency. We did see the Lions get scary Terry Williams, the kick returner, and defensive Ancioni Tuyama re-signed before the end of the year, so being able to allot some of those 2023 cap dollars. And now it's on to 2024 uh, in terms of the calendar and in terms of the cap allotment for the BC Lions. Then there's our old friend, the Manny Show, Blake, who tweeted today, told my agent, I want to play my final year of football in 2024, go out the right way. That's why I'm training with the same approach and mindset of when I came into the CFL in 2009, Blake, year 15, for the Manny Show. The question isn't if I can play, it's who's willing to give me An opportunity, and I gotta say, when he left here, I did not think Manny had much rope left. No, in his Canadian Football League career, all due respect, but no, yeah, exactly. He is now thirty-six years old. Has played the last couple of seasons for the Edmonton Elks. uh, Of course, went to Saskatchewan after his time with the BC Lions. Yeah, thirty-six will be thirty-seven. In September. But you got to give to Manny in terms of how hard he works. The guy's in tip top shape, and I'd love to see him one more ride in the CFL. One
1: more ching ching, right?
0: (laughs) I was, uh, somebody asked me recently Have you done any interviews over the course of your show? Which uh, really surprised you. And I said, well, just about every time Manny Arsenault came on the show. (laughs) Yes. There was something (laughs) there that we just did not see coming. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by Greta. Greta, great spot to catch the game throughout the season. A quick walk to the Rinker Stadium. Go-to spot for food, drinks, fun, before and after the game. Make it a game night at Greta, 50 West Cordova, or at gretabar.com. We'll get to some hashtags, including that enormous anaheim philadelphia trade and all the fallout from cutter gochier not wanting to be a philadelphia flyer and we'll talk to john shannon on a number of topics including how far this canuck team can go where they're going to find additional reinforcements before the deadline and uh the stanley cup parade route Mm. which street should it go down some pricks from Wall Center presentation Applewood Auto Group and hashtags are the best and worst of Twitter.com. And as you were watching the Canucks destroy the New York Rangers last night, Twitter was blown up in a couple of NHL markets, albeit
1: mostly the city of Philadelphia. Where it, it was a full frontal assault from the Flyers organization from top to bottom. Executives, coaches, media, media fans... <laughs> All against a 19-year-old boy. boy. And is there any city
0: that does being scorned by an athlete better than Philadelphia? Cutter Gauthier, star of the American World Junior, gold medal winning World Junior team, fifth overall pick in the draft. Didn't want to be a flyer. Traded to the Anaheim Ducks for Jamie Drysdale, young right shot defenseman, same Actively, same draft pedigree, top 10 guy himself, and a second-round pick. And it came out of the blue. And apparently the Flyers had engaged like 20 different teams in negotiations for Cutter Gauthier. And there's so many theories as to why this happened. At BizNasty 2.0, Paul Bissonette of Spit and Chicklets and TNT, this is getting more and more bizarre. He refuses to play for his idol's rival? It's like every interview he's done post-draft is sending smoke signals. Only one thing that's for certain is that we have a new villain in Philadelphia. Biz would go on. Flyer's threatening to give the battery treatment to Gauthier when he rolls into town. Holy fuck, this is slap shot stuff. They kind of did. Can't imagine it feels nice taking a few double A's off the dome from the Philly faithful. This certainly turned into a night on the Twitter machine. Did it ever Here's Daniel Briere, the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. He looked at us at the draft and told us that he was built to be a Flyer, wanted to be a Flyer. A few months later, he told us he didn't want to be a Flyer. The Flyers made a special mission to Sweden and the World Juniors to speak to him. Briere, nothing happened. We tried to meet, but they would not engage as far as a reason why. Apparently, he didn't even answer phone calls from Briere or team president Keith Jones. Briere, we just wanted to be able to present our case and tell them what we're doing here and where this organization is going. Unfortunately, we never got the chance. So it's not really known why Gauthier didn't want to sign with the Flyers. There was speculation that it was John Tortorella driven, and for an offensively inclined player, I can that, see that it. computes. Yeah, but Gauthier was on a podcast a year ago, April. It's past April. Saying he specifically went up to John Tortorella at an event while Tortorella was talking to team officials, introduced himself, and told him, I can't wait to play for you. And apparently Torch was like, fuck yeah, kid. Love it. Love it that you wanted to come up to me and tell me how you're, can't wait to play for me.
1: Also, Tortorella does know who he is.
0: John Tortorella post game last night would say he did not know Cutter Gauthier from a hole in the ground. Is it? Because you have relatively inexperienced management with the Philadelphia Flyers and Jones and Breyer. Look, look
1: at the management at Anaheim. Mm. It's a brand new GM yeah. there, too.
0: The other theory does he want to be a center? And the Flyers viewed him as a winger. And Charlie O'Connor, who covers the Flyers, noted that Briere openly referred to him as a left winger. And that later confirmed the Flyers had decided to view him more as a winger than a setter. Now, here's the president of the club, Dan Hilferty, on the business side. I feel bad for Cutter. Well, I don't really feel bad for Cutter when he comes to Philadelphia. It's going to be a rough ride here, and he earned it. We're Philadelphians, and we want people who want to be here with us.
1: Yeah, they, they they have been wronged in their own minds, Mm -hmm. by this boy.
0: Yeah, well, and later went on to reference J.D. Drew, the baseball player who turned his back on the Phillies and that batteries were thrown at him. Yeah. Flyers podcaster Anthony Sanfilippo. I talked to somebody in the organization. Kevin Hayes' fingerprints are all over this. This was later denied by Kevin Hayes. On social media. Well, yes. (laughs) Um. Kevin Hayes, of course, a former Philadelphia Flyer. Kevin Hayes from the same part of the tracks in Boston as as Cutter Goche. So was he bad mouthing the fly? But again
1: denied as Greg Wyshynski said on Twitter last night at cutting uh, watching the cutter Goche thing last night on social media made me think about how absolutely insane all caps things would have been if Twitter existed during the Eric Lindros drama oh, no question <laughs> Like, although Philly was the beneficiary yes. of a player who yeah which is which is also what got brought up a lot in that really are yeah, you hurt, oh, by you're by a hurt by this yeah yeah you've done this before well you in the could, acquisition of a Hall of Famer, you
0: could say they benefited, but what they wound up giving the then Quebec Nordiques, soon to be Colorado Avalanche, won- well, yeah, yeah, several cups.
1: Yeah, unbelievable.
0: Then there's this from uh, Andy and Rono, an advanced stats uh, account. By the way, with this acquisition, Philadelphia can now easily trade Sean Walker, or Rasmus Ristolainen. Flyers definitely should play Jamie Drysdale in the top four defensive group. That's the other thing. Flyers are can, they're in the hunt. They just added, pretty darn good mm-hmm. right shot defenseman who can play top four minutes at no cost from the current roster. And in fact, you know I know everybody was applauding Pat Verbeek, and now the young forward group that he's assembling there, alongside Trevor Zegris and Mason McTavish and Leo Carlson, and all the. Troy Terry and all the talent that they have up front. And, of course, they've got some pretty good defensemen, too, there in Anaheim, including uh, Minchikov, who's been incredible for them this year, not mm-hmm. to mention some other uh, young defensemen who are percolating. But, um, you know, this is going to end up being a pretty good trade for the Flyers.
3: Yeah, it's not, it's, you know,
0: I, like I, if Gauthier is just a left winger, a top six left winger, he'd have to be a really damn good to offside, a, right, yeah. a top four right shot, and especially if Drysdale is going to be their lead power play guy, and they get a second round pick to boot. As you remember, 25. I was gaga for Drysdale.
1: Yes, you were. Um, we I, both were kind of gaga for Drysdale. He, his injuries have sort of, uh, you know, put a, a bit of a wet blanket on that. Um, well, that and
0: the fact that he's been thrown into the deep end, playing tough matchups early in his NFL NHL career, and yeah. getting caved in.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it could be. because Annie really for had for both. No other. Yeah, no, this, this could be a win win trade. We'll see. Big trade. Mm-hmm. There was other stuff. It was a big day for hashtags. Lost to fit in. That's Strombone One. <laughs> I might frame this one and put it on my nightstand. Roberto Luongo posting a letter. This somehow was forwarded to him. Who knows how it got to him?
0: I think good old fashioned U.S. Postal Service. To where? Like. To the Florida, to Pan- the Florida Panthers, Panthers I, I guess. organization.
1: Uh, A 64, 65-year-old Canucks fan, 64, wrote to him a scathing letter um, complaining about his free-the-skate comment at the end of the Ring of Honor ceremony, pointing out that it was ridiculed during its heyday as the ugliest jersey in the league. In fact, even on a television broadcast, they made fun of it. He went on to say, "Quote: You wore that uniform, the the whale uniform, the one we currently see. How could you not see it? By putting your support before the black and yellow, you criticized the very colors you wore. And your name is on the Ring of Honor wearing that same sweater. That's certainly a kick in the teeth to the Vancouver Canucks team and to your former team that made that blue and green. Mm. Your for your former teammates I that mean, wore the blue and green. Yeah." Sorry. Uh, um, quite a length to go to to uh, stand for a color scheme sweater. I logo. wasn't. I wasn't the only one that made the Francesco Aquilini signed Francesco Aquilini joke. There yeah. was this, this, there were several because that has been the the lament or mm-hmm. the supposed lament from the owner that he just doesn't like the the skate jersey like he likes the whale jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Walsh, a Alan Walsh. Back in 2004, Bob Goodenow said a hard salary cap would dominate fan and media discussions, becoming detrimental to growing the game we love. He was right. Nowadays, the fan bases around the NHL are all wringing their hands over a player's AAV. The debate becomes, he's a really good player, but is he worth the $6 million AAV? We only have so much cap space to go around, end quote. This could have been avoided with a luxury tax. Instead, the system makes players the villains for taking up X percentage of a yeah. team's cap space. Horrible business model.
0: And, and, and there's Alan's bias at the end. I, I don't necessarily disagree. Although I would also add, well, I'd add two points of context. Number one, is it in fact detrimental when you have this many fans and media talking about player and player contracts and their value and re-signing? And, and, and then number two... The other thing that's happened here is we've gone through a pandemic that has uh, effectively flattened the cap and made trading very, very difficult. Uh, let's remember, pre-pandemic, when the cap was going up in pretty healthy increments year to year, it was a much easier trading environment and player movement was a little more greased than what yeah. it is now. So I want to at least give it a, an opportunity. Now, it is clear that the NHL did a very poor job of driving revenue in coming out of the pandemic. I mean, you take a look at what the other sports and where they are at economically and where the NHL is at. And, you know, part and parcel of that is Americans just don't really love hockey. It's more a niche sport than it is, you know, a broad mainstream sport in the United States of America. But yeah, I want to give it some time here as we see these healthy jumps in the salary cap before I'm gonna not that I don't not that I Luxury tax would be a decent idea, if you ask me.
1: I get the I get where he's coming from. I just at don't a time. think Gary's going to go there. Um, and the before it was just simple; like there wasn't any strategy to it that fans could get into a, a, an intellectual debate about. Yeah, it was just like pay him.
0: Yeah, owner just so, pay him. And, and put it this way: the simpletons have been left behind in the conversation. Yeah,
3: There's gotta And, be and context. those
0: who, do, those who. Have the intellectual ability, but just don't want to expend it on things like this. Uh, have also checked out on this part of the
1: and I will say this hot stove discussions. I do think the NHL has got this part right versus the NBA and MLS, like veterans exceptions and very much TAM so. and very GAM. much so. like who knows how the hell MLS and NBA works.
0: The NFL with dead money and uh, no, tag abs- players and all that. There, absolutely, it's a
1: little more straightforward yeah. than the others. And that's hashtags for today.
0: <laughs> Secure's price from Wall Center
1: presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Nissan in Surrey's got the 2023 Rogue financed right now from, get this, 3.99%. And as we have found out this week and we'll find out continuously throughout the rest of the week, Time to get those winter tires if you haven't. So get a new car, get the winter tires already on there. Because if you buy a set of partner brand winter tires, you get up to $170 off. Go find it at Applewood, Nissan. sorry it's all good at Applewood. Time to say hello and happy new year to John Shannon, the former executive
0: producer of Hockey Night in Canada and the co-host of the Bob McCallum, Bob mccallum podcast. Welcome back in 2024, John.
4: Hi boys, how are you? You your batteries regenerated. You're ready to go and recharged? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Except we're having a huge debate here on the West Coast, John. Maybe you can help settle it as a native British Columbia. Let me, let
4: me, hold on, let me guess. Pedersen worth more or less than Neander Is that is no,
0: that... <laughs> no? One would think we're having that debate too. But should the parade go down Barrard or Georgia? What says
4: you? You know, I tell you what. I'm still, I'm still a Georgia guy. You know, I, I think anything that. You know, you, you, you start at Stanley Park and you can go all the way down to the arena. I mean, I, that's that's what I would do. And it has the get, breath. It has the yeah, breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, got breath. Know, it's got great breath. It gets to Stanley Park. When, when I was Stanley. a kid, Georgia Street was Vancouver. Right. You yeah. know, that's where it was. It was Georgia Street. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't Burrard. New, you could probably have it out of Surrey and be just as successful. Now. That's true. Well, King George Highway.
0: The, the one thing I would say, though, if it does go Georgia, how are you getting up and down from Rogers Arena? If you do Berard and you just fly, you can make
1: your way down Pacific. But no, you, it's on Georgia. The rink's on Georgia. Yeah, but via Viaduct. Exactly. Yeah, Thank Viaduct. You. The Viaducts. Yeah, the via, yeah Where are the cars coming from? The, from from the Costco parking lot.
4: <laughs> no, no. Uh, well, as long as you get one. listen. I tell you what, I have the moment you mentioned Costco and Vancouver, uh, you can't help but remember back to the to the 2010 Olympics. Yes. every one of us, every one of us, we spent all day in that damn arena. But you know, at lunchtime we walked across to get our dollar fifty hot dogs. It was fantastic. Absolutely,
0: it sure was. Um, our poll question today: Are you now expecting playoff success? We're nearly halfway through the season here, John. In fact, they play game 41 Tuesday against the Islanders. First half of the season, first 20 games, first quarter, 13-6-1. Second quarter, 13-5-2. They actually got better in this second 20-game segment. So have they changed expectations for you in terms of the playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs?
4: Not yet, but it's getting there. Um, you know, it, the, the problem becomes – If they do get eliminated in in an early round, people could say, well, learning curve, learning how to win, learning how to lose. Um, You know, should this team go a distance now? Yeah, they should. But I'm not holding my breath that it happens. Um, You know, there are weathered teams in the Western Conference that are playing an 82-game exhibition schedule. Colorado and Vegas. They have been through the trials and tribulations of having great seasons and being eliminated. They've also had gone through the trials and tribulations and won championships. They know how to pace themselves. As much as the CACs have what they've done is magnificent, it it is truly one of the great stories in hockey this year. Um, Pacing yourself to be ready for the middle of April is something that teams don't necessarily plan to do all the time. Colorado and Vegas aren't panicked of what the way they're playing. In fact, Colorado's played pretty damn well. But I think the Canucks are are in a position of making sure they still have to prove themselves before we get to the postseason.
0: What if I told you they could win the Pacific and get one of the wild cards and avoid that 2-3 matchup in the Pacific?
4: (laughs) Get one of their wild cards, the Edmonton Oilers.
1: (laughs) Mm, Potentially. At this rate, though, they could catch third.
4: Well, uh, well, then you're going to get the LA Kings, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's that's a challenge too. The, all of a sudden, you know, from you know being the ugly duckling of the division, the Pacific Division has become really, really, really hard. In fact, well, it's, it's I mean that's a that's a silly thing to say in many ways because every division right now is unbelievably difficult. The challenge of the 16 teams, the eight teams in the in the in the Western Conference. There are going to be good teams, we know that, eliminated in the first round. That's just a fact of life in the National Hockey League when you have, you know, I I think there are 22 or 23 vile teams in this league right now. And that's the real challenge of what's going on. For the Canucks and what will go on for all the teams once we get to the Stanley Cup playoffs.
1: It's a good shout. I mean, in the Western Conference, uh, oh. the teams that are in playoff positions as we speak, um, I don't think the Predators can win the Cup. And I doubt the Stars do, but I wouldn't. I mean, can they go in a storybook run with some great goaltending? Absolutely. It's really seven of eight teams, I would say, in the Western Conference have the ability to win a few rounds.
4: Jake Ottinger has to be better. Yep. You know, and he has to be healthy, for one thing. Jake Ottinger has to be better. Um, but you know, I, I'm, you know, when you look at both, both conferences that, that way, I mean, it is nuts. I mean, but nobody would have predicted the Canucks doing this. Nobody would have predicted Winnipeg doing this. Um, it's the of share for Western Canada. That's for sure. Uh, and when, when you look at, you know, what's, what's supposed to happen and they, the Oilers, the Oilers are not going to be discounted now between now and the end of the regular season
1: play we've playfully kicked this around, but it, it, it now is the rubber's hitting the road for Canucks management. Now in that, uh, you know, they've got some salary issues going forward after this season, we've talked again, sort of playfully. Oh, it's kind of like a one-year window. If you wanted to go all in, how tempted is Canuck management? Now, do you think now that they've reached the halfway mark with no let up in the pace to say, okay, maybe we do have to sacrifice some assets and kind of go mini all in for at least a year here and they may take a half step back next year. This might be an opportunity, but it's a big risk because you're giving up assets that you know you want two, three, four years down the road here. And this is a management group that will be around to see those years.
4: Well, all I do is I look at uh, the legacy that Jim Rutherford left in Carolina and what he left in Pittsburgh. Um, You know, when, when Jim, if you sat with Jim, in, in particularly in Pittsburgh, and said, are, are you going to try to win the Cup every year? The answer was always. You know, you only have Sid Crosby, and you only have Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang for so many years. Um, you have to wonder if that conversation is occurring uh, at Rogers Arena now with this core of guys. You know, w- w- you know, how many years are you going to have Pedersen like this? How many years is JT Miller going to be this way? You know, what about Quint? You know, is is there a mentality to say we better strike when the iron's hot? We all, you know, we, and I, and I was on this list too. I was on the, on the, well, you know, what are they doing out there? And then it just, it seemed to turn on a dime and the plan has come together. And so I think that if there's anybody in the National Hockey League that would put all his poker chips in, it would be Jim Rutherford. And, and would be less concerned about three years from now than he is for this season and perhaps to find a way to structure things to get through next season as well. You bring up a great
1: point of the wow. JT Miller front because think- JT Miller three years from now is not going to be this well, JT no, the
4: JT Miller. No, but the other thing is, is if,
0: if there's one guy to push all in, it's Jim Rutherford. If there's a second guy to pull, push all in, in the NHL, it's Francesco Aquilini because they were doing it with teams far worse than this. The JT Miller trade being prime example. The Oliver Ekman Larson trade being another example. So you know the owner's been impatient. He's been looking looking forward to this day. Well, the the owner's impatient
4: because he's a fan, like everybody you know downtown. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. the one thing that give give Francesco some credit and say you know at least he's passionate about his hockey team. And then you have to you know with that put the asterisk saying sometimes you're too passionate about your hockey. You know, so you can't, that's, that's one you can't really win. This is, this is all this is all on Elvin and Rutherford. This is all on what those two guys will decide the fate of this franchise for the next couple of years.
0: So then that begs the question, what do you think it takes to get Elias Lindholm out of Calgary? <laughs>
4: um, is that what you want really?
0: Well, here's the thing, John. Um, he's reunited the lotto line here playing yes, peterson and miller and if that's the case then the big need on the club moves from winger for peterson to, to a center. second line center yeah,
4: yeah. see I, I was on another show in vancouver last week and i said they need a second line center and i got people saying you're they wrong they've mm. always known they need a second line center they've known it for a long time in vancouver so um i'm not sure it's lindholm though i'm just not sure so I think you have to go and scour the other teams and some of the teams that are going to fall off of the uh, the face of the playoff earth and say, who who's out there? Who, who can we get? And, and I don't have an answer for you right now on that. Uh, you know, as much as Lindholm has been a good player. Uh, the other thing is, I, at, at some point, Craig Conroy's got to stop turning with the team in the division. He really does. Mm. I, mean, I just don't understand that one.
1: Well, and this goes circles back to what you just said previously too. About twenty-two teams feeling like they probably have some sort of a chance. I mean, there's not a lot of trade partners out there right now, is
4: there? No, and and listen, I they're up until this weekend. I thought Calgary was was going to be a little closer, and then they, you know, they lose in Philadelphia. They lose in Chicago, which was, you know, they got beaten by Peter Marazic, um, you know, with a team without Connor Bedard. Um, you know, that that really hurt the Flames. And the, because the Flames have been this, you know, we're not going to sign anybody until we know what really we have this year. We're not going to trade anybody or consider until we know whether we have a chance at the playoffs. And now you have to wonder, really, um, if that thought process is different between ownership and management with the Flames. Mm.
1: Who's the bigger surprise this season, the Canucks or the Jets?
4: Uh, well, I think the Canucks. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I re- think we- I really, I really do. Yeah, uh, Winnipeg is Winnipeg is a great story, um, and I it, and I do I do, do a lot of work in Winnipeg, and you see it firsthand that that this team is playing um, with a, a, a great deal of confidence now. Uh, but there's been a and there's but there's been a giant shift in leadership there with the move to Adam Lowry, Connor Hellebuyck, and Shifley committing. Stay long term are big big uh, points for the for the Jets, but based on what we saw last year, I I I think that what the Canucks have done is is miraculous. It, it really is, um, and particularly with some of the guys that you know, every pundit in, 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 on the lower mainland thought, you know, Tyler Myers is done, never play another game as a Canuck.
1: Connor Garland, yeah,
4: yeah. Connor Garland, yeah. I mean, so. They've done it. They've, they've done it with pieces that people thought wouldn't exist in Vancouver, and I think that's an important thing to remember.
0: Oh, I mean, I mean that that third line, which we're now calling the second line, um, you know, like Connor Garland couldn't make it work with every center they tried beside him. Who knew the solution would be Vegas's fifth line center, Teddy Bluer, and that somehow that that line would erupt? The guys from not-
4: Pittsburgh knew. The guys that from yeah. Pittsburgh knew that Teddy Blueger was a good play yeah teddy bruger was teddy bruger was pretty banged up all last season and you know? all and they knew mm. what what kind of player he was
0: yeah uh although i'm not sure they thought he might be their second line center at the midpoint <laughs> point of the season that's that's where we're at last night hey john how about that game last night huh oh. the game's at the garden with two good teams like that five on five for
1: almost the entire beautiful game beautiful yeah. goals like beautiful goals Last night,
4: wow! I that brought you, me back. Vancouver. Uh, most Canadian cities are great places to watch hockey games. Um, I don't think there's any place in North America as electric as Madison Square Garden. It mm. is. It is fantastic. The, I think I've told this story before. The, the five years that I spent in New York working at the NHL office. Um, at 5 o'clock, the whole office leaves, right? They, they go home, except for those of us that are actually hockey crazed. Uh, and at a quarter after 7, I would walk down from the office to the garden and walk up the elephant walk and go from, the, you know, from ground zero to the, 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 you know, the street level to the ninth floor, um, or actually the fifth floor where the, where the Zamboni entrance to the ice is, and it is just electric in that building. Those fans are so passionate. The sounds and smells of Madison Square Garden are unlike any other in the National Hockey League. It, I, if, you, if you're a Canucks fan, if you're a hockey fan, go to the Garden. Go to New York for a holiday. Buy a ticket. It is fantastic. And they no love their sense. Rangers. And they love their Rangers. And it's uh, it It's fun. And listen, was there any doubt that the Canucks were a better team last night? No. Oh my goodness gracious. And the Rangers have been touted for the last five and a half weeks as being the best team in the East. Although, you know, they've they've hit a bit of a wall, but they've played very well. But the Canucks were by far the better team.
1: David, wondering about playoff so, tests, did they pass a playoff test with uh, with that one?
4: Yeah, there's still a bit more. I mean, I still uh, you still have to. See what they they do on a uh, on a basis in Boston, you know, I mean, it, it, I, I, and I and I still worry about you know what's going to happen in the in the Western Conference first. Well, Vegas um,
1: in LA too. They've got almost the entire season series versus both of those guys left. So uh, yeah,
4: and, and 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 the Avs. You know, if if Georgiev can play the way he played at some point during the regular season with Ranton and McKinnon, McCarr, Taves. Um and they and they get some of their their boss six guys like Miles Wood back. Uh, I think the average are going to be scary before the playoffs start.
0: So let me ask you this because we' we've been having this debate as well, John. is lot line the best way to go in a Stanley Cup playoff best of seven series because it is kind of an eggs in one basket way to slice it. Would you be comfortable with their matchups lines two through four if they're sticking with the lot line in a best of seven?
4: Um, playoff hockey's different. Yeah, playoff hockey's a different animal. Uh, if I know, if I'm coaching against Rick Pocket and I know he's going to put those three guys together for the for the whole night, you know, um, I'm, gonna, I'm 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 going to find a way to, to challenge them every time and take my chances on my second line versus anything else the Canucks can throw at. So I, I I do think that's why there's a need to to add another center and to to create a bit more balance, you know, and not to, I don't want to be part of a drinking game in Vancouver, but um, a lot of the success and change in Edmonton has because Leon Dreisaitl's line is now with Ryan McLeod um, and Warren Fogle is carrying a bit of the load. Uh, Not everybody's, you know, with Nugent Hopkins and, uh, and Iman and McDavid. And so it changes the whole personality. If you have a second offensive line, and I think that if you look around the league, a second offensive line, look what happened, has happened in Toronto with the growth of William Nylander and John Tavares. And, and, uh, and Bertuzzi is the second line. It changes the personality of your team. And I think that, you know, the guys that are running the Canucks know exactly that. And that's why I think they're going to try to have to get something for their second line to have, you know, secondary scoring. That's, yeah. that's going to be the key.
0: Um, switching gears here. Why did Cutter Goche not want to be a Philadelphia flyer?
4: I don't know. What, what did you make
0: of the trade and the reaction in Philadelphia? Well, I,
4: I, I'm a. Would uh, what well, tell you what? Uh, I think you get a real sense that uh, Keith Jones and Danny Briere are pro Flyer and they're going to be, you know, speaking their minds. I thought that was an impressive uh, use of media last night in Philadelphia in so many ways, with a press conference and an interview, and saying he didn't want to be here. So we didn't want him in the end anyway. I mean, the fact that he wouldn't meet them in, in Gothenburg to me was that was different. Something obviously had happened um, at, at some point. Uh, but the Flyers, you know, the Flyers to me this is now a domino effect. I wonder how long Walker's going to be in the lineup now. Uh, if he's going to be moved, does that allow them to change to trade another defenseman? If Drysdale stays healthy, he is a good player, but. You know, he hasn't been healthy for the three years. Um, and, and Pat Verbeek can talk about, well, you know, it's, it's got nothing to do with the contract. I, I think there's a little bit of, of uh, anxiety when it came to what both Ziers and um, and Drysdale did to Pat Verbeek and the Ducks. So I think they were probably pleased to find a way to get another player. And and let's face it, the Ducks didn't need another defense. They yeah, got how many how many quality young defensemen do they have, and how many uh, more quality young defensemen do they have coming up? You know, Zellweger will probably be up before the end of the season, and I think that that they're going to be they're going to be something to talk about. By the way, in about three years, <laughs> so that's that's another reason for a team in the in the Western Conference to you know put all your cards on the table right now, rather than worrying about what happens three years from now.
0: Yeah, they, I mean, they definitely need Zellweger and some combination of Hellison, and Luna Warren uh, now to be uh, their right-side guys going forward. Yep. Um, but um, if if they if they are that, and of course, we know they got the uh, this Mitchikoff kid who's been so great on the left side, um, not to mention uh, some others.
4: Well, and they're the going to get another good player in the next draft.
0: They yes, are. yes, indeed. They're they going to get another one. Um,
4: my maybe, last one. Maybe, maybe a Celebrini. What do you think?
1: Uh, oh, boy, Wow. Chicago's doing their best to try to get celebrated <laughs> And of course, wow. uh, in San Jose, you have the Shark Tank for Macklin. We, we, before you we, we, you mentioned it, before you go, we should talk to you about this Elias Pedersen contract negotiation. You talked about Nylander, uh, made a reference to it off the top. Um, it, I mean, is it weird to you that it doesn't sound like, no matter what the offer is, that Pedersen is willing to, to sign in season? It sounds like. You could back up the Brinks truck and they're still going to say we're going to talk after the season is over. Is there any red flag for you there?
4: No, not really. I, 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 it, it over, let's remember um, relationships. You know, this is such still a business of relationships. Um, and, and, you know, Elias and his agent and Rutherford have a great, have a great path of communication. I, I'm, I'm not panicked at all. You know, I, you know I, and I think the two guys that uh, probably popped champagne yesterday were Elias Patterson and Leon Dreisidel, you know, good money. And, and, and believe it or not, perhaps both the Canucks and Oilers popped a bit of champagne, too, because maybe that price was a little lower than the, what they expected they had to sign their guys for. It, it's a fat, it, this could be a win-win for player and teams. By the end of the discussion of both guys resigning with their clubs.
0: Hey, just lastly, uh, apparently Steve Steos is getting impatient in Ottawa and might be looking to make some moves there. And they are one of the few teams you know, with their games in hand that are likely out of it now. Do, do you see some activity there in the nation's capital and some bigger names moving?
4: Well, I I think you have to probably wonder, you know, and it's it's a given now. I think that you know does does somebody want to take a chance on? on a goal scorer and take Tarasenko Sanko off their hands at the deadline. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I think that there's, well, they know what their core is. Sure. It's a disappointment in Ottawa, but they know what their core is. They know where they're going. Um, they're going to, and they're going to be stuck with a couple of guys, you know, and some of the contracts, maybe one of the goaltenders are going to feel they're stuck with. Um, but I'm, I'm prepared to give Steve and Davey Poole and, the rest of the year to figure out what, what the heck's going on um, and hope for better things in October for Ottawa. It's disappointing for yeah. Ottawa fans, but I, I think that well, you know, this is a franchise on hold for another year, Matt.
0: And also the uh, interesting that the insiders were using the word professionals. He's looking to bring professionals in that suggests there might be a culture change to come in there. Um, well, it, 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 it
4: just, I know we got to go, but here's one thing. One thing I think we, and we made a talk about this early in the year, Brady Kachuk can't be a captain and be as emotional as he is. Someone has to be a guiding hand to their young stars and young leaders to say, hey, you don't act like that. You know, that was what Mark Messier did in New York when he showed up there. Was half of what he did was score goals and be a physical presence on the ice. The other half was saying, boys, we're the New York Rangers. We don't act that way. We act this way. Every team needs a little bit of that type of player. And right now, Ottawa appears, based on what, as you mentioned, and what, what uh, Darren and, and Pierre and all the guys have talked about, is they don't have anybody to say, calm down, boys. We're going to be okay. This is how we act as members of the Ottawa Senators Hockey Club.
0: Great stuff, John. Uh, we will catch up a week from now. Thank you. Cheers, boys. Garrison so Price from Wall Center Presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778 402 9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Whitecaps tied to an MLS free agent who's got some pace, huh?
1: Yeah, Fafa Pico uh, looks like he'll be signed in relatively short order. 32 year old, the most recent with Nashville. People might remember from a couple seasons with uh, Houston and. Before that, Philadelphia for a few seasons as well. He can score some goals. He's got some speed. um, Forward, he's forward. Yeah, Um, usually on the wing. Uh, I mean, they might be able to use him as a sort of a number two striker alongside Brian White. I would suggest he's probably sort of more of a a a bench like a junior Hoylet uh, replacement. Gotcha. Um, like with him and Krylock probably coming off the bench or maybe one starts per game. I mean, that's that's nice. Mm-hmm. He's been capped a couple times by the U.S., but then he went five years without a cap, so then he went to his parents' homeland of Haiti. He's been capped. Uh, he played five games for Haiti last year, mm-hmm. even as a, an elder statesman. So it, that's a nice veteran pickup. They don't have to use any TAM. Right. So, so uh, as I see it, are we
0: seeing the white cap's sort of strategy here in terms of, going forward that we're looking at MLS veterans more so than any other class of player?
1: Well, at least for this window, yes. Um, I I think they would look for uh, European help or or South American help in the summer. But uh, Vanny Sertini wants to make sure he's getting guys now without any complications, guys that he knows well, yeah. just get me talent that I know about now. Right. Um, and because so, it's
0: a busy schedule, including these matches early. against
1: Tigres, and you're yeah. playing early,
0: and we can't have no visa issues, and we yeah. don't want any integration issues, chemistry S- problems, you know, like guys who understand our team in this game.
1: And, and this league, yeah. And, and <laughs> Krylock and, and Pico completely fit that bill. So, yeah. Uh, The other football, south of the border, Mike Vrabel fired as the head coach
0: of the Tennessee Titans. He had four straight winning seasons. They're out of the shoot as a first-time head coach in the National Football League. Three of them went to the playoffs. In fact, 2019, they played Kansas City for the AFC Championship. But two straight losing seasons. They've lost three straight playoff games. He will be in demand, according to the NFL Insiders. Of course, he was a great patriot once upon a time as they won three out of four Super Bowls there in the early 2000s. You do wonder if he would be a candidate to replace Bill Belichick. And now, of course, there's Jim Harbaugh, fresh off his national championship with his beloved University of Michigan Wolverines. They beat the University of Washington Huskies Monday night in Houston to complete a 15-0 undefeated national championship championship season. He's got ties to the Chargers and Raiders organization. He's got ties to the Bears organization as well. You, you wonder where he fits there. Um, Carolina, Tennessee he's going to want personnel authority. That was the one thing that was lacking in San Francisco and one of the reasons why he had a parting with the 49ers after a very successful run after a very successful run there. So, yeah, the NH- uh, the NFL coaching circuit's about to hit in full yep. full blast here. And uh, Pete Carroll and all the signs out of Seattle on Black Monday, as they call it in the NFL, um, seem to suggest that Pete Carroll is going to be back, and he certainly wants to.
1: If he wanted to coach, I think he was going to coach. Yeah. So.
0: I, well, mm. I just don't – let's remember – Jody Allen inherited this club from her brother when, when Paul Allen passed away several years ago. So this was sort of thrust on her. Pete Carroll was the one guy she knew and loved. And every indication, every time we've talked to our friend Greg Bell down there, seems to suggest there is alignment between ownership, management, the coaching staff with the Seahawks, with Pete Carroll and John Schneider serving in those roles. Let's get to poll results from Monday. We asked you, is the lotto line the best way to go? Yes or no? What did the people say, Blake?
1: Uh, people said yes. Yeah, they did. 70%? 78.
0: Mm. Saw so a lot of this. I'll read, where's your koozie? Says, not long term, but I like this
1: caveat. But on the road, I feel that's the best line to put out. Line matching, uh, not your forte on the road, obviously. Just yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see that. Certainly, as we of talked course. as we talked about with John Shannon today. I mean, uh, unless they get something that blows my socks off at the trade deadline in terms of uh, forward depth help, um, like a number two center or a legit winger, I think in a playoff series where you need a handful of great performances, I think the Ottawa line might be your go to in the playoffs too. My
0: only problem with the lotto line in a playoff series is if they have a couple of quiet nights, you're in real trouble.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because I still don't necessarily trust those other three lines
1: to do a lot of scoring in the postseason. In a game one, though, in a game one, overwhelm a team, immediately get a series lead. I don't know. And, of course— you, you,
0: you would need them to avoid having a couple of bad games in a series four times if you're going to get to the ultimate prize, right? And that, I think, would be most difficult, particularly as we also talked about with John in what is a very good Western Conference, or at least um, six or seven really good Western Conference teams. Uh, WC Blackout says, depends on the opponent, a three-line deep team, no. And, and I hear you there as well. If you're looking at a team that can trot out a top nine, they go, wow, like those are three really good lines. How would the uh, the Connor Garland, Dakota Joshua, Teddy Bluger line hold up in that environment? How would a Pia Suter line hold up in that environment? Lawey says, yes, because right now it gives you two lines for sure that control play, and maybe with lesser competition to play against Suter and McKay of Kuz, you could take advantage of mat- matchups, maybe also forces Kuzmenko to do what Garland has done by having the puck more with that line, and that's a pretty good shout. Jordan says, if the lotto line is the only option to get Petey going, then let him walk. We don't need an 11 million-plus passenger. He needs to prove he can consistently carry his own line. Something tells me Jordan authored this prior to the four-point game. (laughs) Uh, And then connects it pretty harsh on Petey, too. Although, I mean, the crux of it is a fair shout. I mean, the crux of it is if you're going to be that kind of compensated player you better be the driver you better make others look
1: better and score better it depends on the winger that we're talking about because you need yeah. to be intelligent enough to know what that player is going to be like you're just not going to be able, be able to uh, be able to elevate a cinder block and I'm, uh, Elias, that's that's no but I'm not saying but they've got cinder, cinder block right no. but
3: he's he's struggled and there was expected shooting percentage regression, he's, but he can't. He
0: has struggled with the system that the coach inflexibly wants him to play. But
3: also finishing and shooting, like we—he's not a volume shooter. Like he can't make Saddam Lafferty think the game at a higher level. He can't grant no. Ilya Mikheyev hands. He can't make him say, "Hey, you know, you need to get here when I cut this way." That's not their game. It can work for. You know, a game or two, Mm -hmm. but over a sample, you need to... Look at all the star players in the league. They all have a guy riding shotgun. Matthews has Marner, McKinnon, McCarr, Rantanen. Kucherov's got Braden Point.
0: And Canucks News 31 says, So far this season has proved it is not the way to go. They're at the top of the NHL doing it the other way. Makes them thin, but I'm open to it. We'll see how it goes. Maybe they get a center instead of a winger at the deadline. Errors and omissions from Monday's program. I called it mid-January. It's still early January. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jolson played 25 straight games, so more than a quarter of the season. And then there's our buddy Yerke, who's taking the two of you to task. Says so going to have to cite e mostly on Grady for leading you down this path, but all three, all three of us. For mixing up copyright and trademarks. The copyright in Steamboat Willie has expired, meaning you can reproduce the film. Disney doesn't lose its trademark rights, though, as long as they continue to use it. And he cites the example of using Mickey branded t-shirts or lunch boxes. Mm. And then he says also a separate EO on Matt for making it sound like it being in Fahrenheit was a mitigating factor for a minus ten degree temperature.
1: You said, you said like, albeit in Fahrenheit, and but well, that yeah. makes it more severe if it's in Fahrenheit.
0: No, minus ten Fahrenheit is minus twenty three Celsius. They meet at minus forty. Yeah, there is no 40, difference yeah. at minus forty between Fahrenheit and Celsius. No, yeah, but minus ten Fahrenheit is warmer than minus
1: ten is more is warmer than minus ten
0: Celsius. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but minus ten Fahrenheit is minus twenty three Celsius. That's freaking cold. Yeah. Let's get to our Betway bets. Hold on. Oh, boy. What's up?
3: At the top of the show, you failed to mention intern.
0: You know why I didn't? Because I thought I'd give him a day to announce as he announced on his social media channels yesterday.
3: Look at you disrespecting the intern.
0: No, I did not in the least. I did not. theme with you. No. God. I'm going to strangle you. <laughs> I did not announce him because he had not yet been integrated nor announced it himself.
3: Okay. Fair enough.
0: As as you <laughs> heard, I announced him this morning. Tuesday morning as part of the show. Welcome again, Lachlan. All right.
1: So he looks for things. Mm.
3: Everyone's got a little yurky in them now
1: keeps us on our toes.
0: You know those people who like walk into hotel rooms with like blue light, neon light? <laughs> That's what he does looking for my air <laughs> on a day-to-day basis on this program. How dare you? Batway bet of the daytime. Uh, yesterday you were talking about the Canucks to win the West on Batway. They've moved into a tie with the Kings as the co-favorite to win the Pacific. 2.75. Both ahead of Vegas. In L.A.'s case, because the game's in hand. Mm-hmm. But you know, as we talked about at the top of the show, four points up in Vegas, same number of games played, eight more regulation wins than Vegas, nine up on the Kings. Even though the Kings win all their games in hand, they still fall
1: short. And, and again, still fall short on the tiebreaker, too? And then, and I've always said this, what people say, oh, well, well, it gives. A, yeah, but there gets to a point, too, that You've won those games. Yeah. Now, now you force them to go on a four-game no, winning streak. Hey, w-
0: when they were up three and the
1: Kings had like five games in hand, yeah, of course you'd rather be the Kings in yeah. that spot. But no, you're right. When They've- you force the team to win all the games in hand to catch you. Right. I mean, that's you've got the birds in, in hand. In hand. You don't
0: need to be searching around that bush. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no one ever likes to do that move on yeah your line of the day uh raptors are a little more fun these days aren't they and they're taking a lakers hey, yeah. team uh, that's calling themselves terrible these days boy it sounds like darwin ham is on
0: borrowed time when those sorts of headlines come out you know where they're coming from so do the upstart raptors get the lakers at just the right moment mm-hmm. 270 there on the go. raps on our betway bets of the day, must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. RJ Baris shooting the lights out—that's not really his game. Both him and Wiggins, right? Our two would-be Maple Jordans, and they're both kind of similar players in that they're just not ever going to be great shooters. No, nope. but RJ's been great uh, shooting the ball in a small sample with the Raptors. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh Reminder to subscribe to our show, Rank Wide and Connect's Conversation, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on social, that's Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.